Hey, happy Father's Day, everybody. So happy that you're joining us. Uh, I got two real quick announcements. One, uh, if you missed my last two weeks' messages on how to lean in and lead as it relates to the whole discussion around racial justice in America, make sure you check those messages out. I, the message last week, I talked about how to have dialogue and substantive conversation across uh, ethnicity and race. Well, next weekend, I'm going to model it. We're going to teach by modeling. It's going to be the last week of our series. And I've invited my dear friend, Pastor John Ortberg from Menlo uh, Church and Pastor Gary Gadini from uh, Peninsula uh, Covenant Church to join me in a very honest and frank dialogue about race uh, and about faith. So whatever you do, make sure you're with us next weekend. Bring as many people as you can. Tell them to tune in. Send them the link, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Listen, I want to pray for fathers and father figures, and here's how I want to do it. I want to take a few moments of silence, and in that silence, I want you to say out loud or whisper the name of those fathers uh, or father figures who have slipped from time to eternity. I'll begin by naming my birth dad and naming the, uh, the dad that actually raised me, all right? Herman Hamilton Sr. and Reverend Clarence Berry. Lord, I give you thanks and praise for the memory of those who have impacted our lives as fathers and father figures. I pray that in this moment you will bring comfort to those that continue to grieve. For some, the loss is fresh. I pray also that you would add strength and a sense of hope to all of our hearts. And now, Lord, I lift up every father, birth dad, uh, adopted, foster father, stepdad, granddad. I lift up those who are uncles and big brothers who are leaning in and doing the work of being a father figure. I pray for those who are mentors like teachers and coaches and people who are stepping forward to make a difference on the, in the next generation. Lord, here's what I'm asking for all of the fathers and father figures that's listening to me now. Would you let this message be a step towards healing? Would you let this message be a, a step towards encouragement? Would you just bless them through this message along with everyone that's listening? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right. Listen, uh, we're going to pick up here in Acts chapter 28. The focus is on Paul. Uh, Paul ended up in a hurricane. He was being taken to Rome. Uh, as a prisoner and there in Rome when he gets there he's going to proclaim the gospel in some incredible ways and and we will see the uh, the prophetic word of of Acts 1 8 fulfilled by the next chapter the last chapter in Acts uh, the 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 witness of Jesus will go from Jerusalem to Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth which is really the through the Roman Empire uh, in the meantime he ends up in a hurricane uh, they end up in a shipwreck and they land on this island. Everybody is, is uh, miraculously preserved. And the islanders are just great people. They build this huge bonfire for them. And here's, here's where the, uh, the reading takes place. But just before I read this, uh, let me just make this extra point. Father Day messages are complicated because our relationships with dads are complicated. Some of us think about our dad and we get warm, fuzzy feelings. And others of us think about dads 
and there's a combination of bitterness and pain, and you really don't know what to do on Father's Day. So I want both groups to lean in. God's got a word for you. I want all the men to lean in. God's got a word for you about the place of faith in your life, okay? Let's read the text. Chapter uh, uh, 28, verse 3. Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire. A poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, (laughs) a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he was unharmed, wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a God. There is the reading. Listen. So Father Day messages are complex. The first insight to why Father Day messages are complex, flowing out of complex relationships with Dad, is really captured in this first three, verse three. Paul is going about his business trying to be helpful. He's gathering up some sticks, and as he lays those sticks on the fire, turns out a poisonous snake is wrapped up in the snakes in, the, in those sticks, and it bites him. Now, the scholarship behind the text suggests that this snake is a viper. We're told that vipers can be as short as 10 inches and as long as 10 feet. What's unique about them is that when they open their mouths, they can do it at about 180 degrees, that their fangs unfold and their fangs, the length of their fangs are like knives that latches in and penetrate like you're being stabbed with a knife. And so, really, when you read the text, you get this image of Paul having been... Of, of, of the snake biting Paul and literally just hanging off his arm. The bite is so deep. Can you say wounded? That's the first clue that if you really let it sink into your spirit can help those of you who are struggling with some bitterness and pain around your relationship with your dad or father figures in your life. Woundedness. And when I'm talking about woundedness, I'm not actually talking about your woundedness. I'm talking about your dad's woundedness, the father figure in your life woundedness. You can draw a straight line between whatever it is that is the source of your pain in his life and his being wounded. You see, at the end of the day, every man has been bitten by the proverbial snake. We've all are wounded. Doesn't matter how strong or charismatic we seem to come across. At the end of the day, uh, social sciences says we're all, in a sense, uh, carrying our hidden insecurities. Let me just give you some examples of what it looks like to be bitten as a man. Now, those of us who are growing up, some of us grew up in homes where, and some of your fathers grew up in homes. Uh, The person who you may be in love with, for those of your wives and girlfriends, grew up in homes where some of those homes was full of anger and rage and violence. Your dad was bitten. For somebody else, along the way of growing up, you ended up being molested, sexually abused, or something worse that they may have not shared with you, but he was bitten. For others, uh, there was the, uh, the presence of a father in the house 
But dad wasn't present in his life because he was out building his career. And for still others, there was no dad anywhere to be seen at all in their life or in their house. And so there are guys who are 40, 50, 60 years old still looking for that missing dad. You know why? We were bidden. And the list goes on and on. There's the dad who... Uh, who raised high standards for that child, said you had to get all A's and, uh, and really pushed you in an overbearing way, but rarely gave you a hug, rarely gave any public affirmation. That dad was bitten. You get it? So wherever that pain that has caused you such bitterness, however it's flowing, it comes from a wound because that man got bitten by some poisonous snake, metaphorically speaking. Now, social scientist tells us that this hidden insecurity that we carry, all of us guys, shows up in a variety of ways. Sometimes it shows up uh, as a, an over-controlling spirit because we feel so inadequate, we've got to feel like we've got to keep our hands on everything. Sometimes it shows up as anger and rage comes out of a place of inadequacy, not good enough. Sometimes it shows up as procrastination. Uh, uh, you know, the person doesn't feel that they really uh, can get the job done. They're not adequate. And so they keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And sometimes it shows up as resignation, which essentially means that the guy just quits. He quits working on the relationship. He's been convinced that, you know, there's nothing he can do to make it any better. He just gives up. Resonation. He walks out on the family and on the kids. Ultimately, his, his decision is driven by a deep-seated uh, conviction that the family is better off without him. You see the woundedness there? You see the woundedness? It's there. So, the, the antidote to hidden insecurity happens to be affirmation. So I want to suggest that you offer two gifts to dad or to the man in your life which are expressions of affirmation on this Father's Day. The first gift I want to suggest that you offer is simply the gift of care. The gift of care. I want to encourage you to care enough to ask the man in your life about his story. Even if you think you know his story, but you haven't heard it in a couple of years or five years or 10 years, I want you to take some time and ask him about his story. I was sharing with a friend of mine that I was going to make this point. He said, oh, what he would give for his adult kids to sit down with him and say, Dad, would you just tell me your story? It's an act of care and affirmation. And, and when you ask for the sharing of the story, I want you to make sure that you, you, you ask them to share with you the high notes of the story, right? You want to know the accomplishments and the things that went well. You want to kind of relive those things with them. Listen, if you look at the text, the islanders, at least they knew this slice of Paul's story. They saw the whole thing unfold. They saw him go to the, uh, get the wood, the sticks. They saw him bring it back. And they, they also saw that he was really trying to do something good. He was trying to help build the fire uh, greater to keep it going so that more and more people could get uh, dry and warm. He was trying to do something good. 
Make sure you, you celebrate and, and just enjoy the accomplishments, the, the unfolding of dreams in the life of, of, your, of your dad or the person that you love. Sit down and have that conversation. That conversation will say to him you care. That conversation will say that you want to see him in a, in a, in a broader way. That conversation would say to him that, that you want to celebrate with him the things that, that went well in his life. Ask about his story. Secondly, I want you to notice that in the text, it really paints the picture of Paul holding up his hand and the snake dangling from his hand and the wound really visible, right? Paul's wound is, wound is exposed. The islanders saw it. So here's the insight. After you ask dad about the high notes of his story, ask him about the low notes of his story and see his wounds and grief. See his wounds and grieve, right? Get dad to walk you through some of the things that broke his heart, that devastated his, his spirit and, 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 and grieve. And, 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 and at, the, at, the, at the end of the day, if you can understand the woundedness in conjunction with the things that was done well, you get a bigger picture and a clearer picture of who dad is, of who the man in your life truly is. Now, Denzel Washington is noted for being an amazing commencement speaker. And for the last 10 years, he's basically been given the same commencement address. He talks about how, uh, you know, in his last couple of years of high school, he just, just almost fell or flunked out of school. His first couple of years in college, he had like a 1.7 GPA. And, and for those who were just encountering him in that moment, uh, they saw that moment disconnected from his history, right? And they couldn't understand why it was that a fellow who was so brilliant was doing so badly. But in as much as they took time to inquire about the low note of his story, they would have discovered that his parents, a pastor and his wife, uh, had a divorce just as he was entering high school. And the, the reality of that divorce simply shattered Denzel Washington's sense of stability and identity about himself and what the whole world, what, what he thought he knew about the world and even good. And that he lived out. You see, uh, his behavior was connected to his woundedness. Notice in the text that because the islanders saw the wound, they anticipated the behavior. The text says that they waited to see whether or not Paul would either swell up or drop dead. As, as it relates to swelling up, Denzel Washington shares just a little bit about how he preserves himself from swelling up. I'm sure you may have experienced someone who swells up, right? When a guy swells up, it really means we're full of ourselves, right? That we're at the center of our own world. And oftentimes, uh, swollen guys, we spend most of our time building our careers and our legacies, and we forget about what's going on at home. Hopefully now you know that, that that's driven by a wound, by a snake bite. It's Denzel who teaches us that uh, it, as he speaks his, uh, to his commencement addresses, he says, listen, that what keeps him from being, becoming swollen, if you will, 
is that he recognizes that his life was going off the cliff and it was the grace of God that rescued him and turned him around. And all of the awards that he has, uh, all, all of his current awards, he, he knows that they are all gifts from God. Keeps him from being swollen, you see. And then the other thing that they were waiting on was this notion of, of him just dropping dead. Now, when you drop dead, according to the text, they, they were waiting on Paul to drop dead. When you drop dead, one moment you're here, the next moment you're gone. You just completely disappear. You're no longer around, right? You're gone. And, and in the text, they waited a long, long time because sometimes it would take a while for the, for the venom to, to work its way through the, through the body of its prey. And really, and ultimately killed. So they waited and waited and waited for Paul to drop dead. Let me give you an example of what it looks like when a man drops dead. I had a dear friend many years ago. We started off ministry together. We preached together. We led together in, 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 our, in our church uh, home. And uh, we just loved each other. Our families hung out together, etc., etc. A number of years later, I heard... Uh, having moved away, he ended up leaving his wife and cutting all ties with his kids. I was completely devastated by the news. I couldn't understand it. That wasn't the guy that I had spent so much time with. A few years later, it came to my mind as I was grieving and upset and angry about how could this be. The Spirit of God brought back to my mind how my friend had been bitten. You see, when my friend was 13 years old, his father did exactly the same thing to him. Left his mom and cut, off, cut all ties with my friend. It took about 15 years for that venom to work itself through my friend's system. But at the end of the day, the same, what he did was exactly the same thing that his father did to him. You see, what, what, what I, I, I'm pulling this, these points out here because I want you, here's what I want you to get, right? There's a direct connection between woundedness and behavior. Now, oftentimes, guys, uh, we don't expose our woundedness. Let me just refocus you back on the text and just let you know that Paul is standing right there in public view and, and, and the snake is hanging and his woundedness is exposed, so guys, I want to challenge you that on the one hand, the people around you, they need to give you the gift of care. On the other hand, you need to give back the gift of trust. You need to be willing. If you want that relationship to go to the next level with, that, uh, with those adult kids or maybe those teenagers, if you want the relationship to go to the next level with the person that you love, uh, then you need to be willing to expose your woundedness. See, so often we guys, uh, we keep our woundedness off the table because we feel the need to conceal. So it, it causes an imbalance in the relationship because what it means is that the only woundedness that's on the table is that of our kids or that of, the, of our partner or our significant other. The only story that's on the table is that of our kids and our partner and significant other. The only ones, the, 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 the only focus that's on the table is how to fix her, is how to fix them, is how to please them. There's no attention to what's going on deep within us in terms of our woundedness. So listen. Listen, ladies, you, you, you've got to care enough to ask for the story. You've got, to, you've got to care enough to ask for the low notes of the story and see the woundedness. And guys, you, you've got to be courageous enough to expose your woundedness. 
so that people can see and grieve and begin to understand. Now, last point here, give the gift of care. But I also want to encourage people on this Father's Day to give to the men in your life the gift of grace. I want you to notice in this text, it's pretty an amazing thing here in the text. On the one hand, uh, when the islanders see Paul, uh, the sea that snake bite him, they conclude he must be a murderer and that justice is catching up with him. But after waiting and nothing happens, they conclude he must be a god. I want you to note these two extremes. There's a lot in between, but there's only two extremes in this text. And they are really good teaching points because for some of the people in the lives of men, you either, you either, you either, you either <laughs> see us through the extreme of the murderer or through the extreme of God. Here's what I mean. The murderer is a great metaphor for the man who feels like no matter what he does, he can never get it right. Can never get it right. The God thing is an extreme for the man who feels like in order to have the love of kids and have the love of the significant other, they've got to always be perfect. So I'm asking everybody else that surround these men to check your mindset as it relates to the men that's in your life. Let me give you a couple examples for those of you who are dating or who are married. Listen, if he buys you six roses, don't ask how come you didn't bring 12. You know I like 12. Show some grace, affirm the, the, the blessing of the six. If he goes to the store and picks up three steaks and cooks a meal, don't sit down at the table and say, this looks nice, but you know I like seafood. How come we didn't go to the seafood restaurant? affirm the heart affirm the effort now I'm not suggesting that you can't correct the brother if, if he gets it wrong if he misses something I'm just saying that you lead with grace you affirm you, you, you let the person know I see your heart and you develop a discipline of affirming the good before you start calling out the bad and by the way come on if he brings you six roses, take the roses, celebrate the roses, and keep it to yourself that you was hoping for 12. Because the moment he gives you six, you say, thank you for the six, but how come you didn't give me the 12? It's like giving an affirmation and taking it right back. Now, on the other hand, you do, there are times when you need to correct us guys. Uh, listen, that's true. You should lean in and correct, but you lead with affirmation. Let me give you an example. You gave him 20 things that you wanted done in the last two weeks. He got five right. Don't engage him around the 15 that he didn't get right. Don't let that, that shouldn't be the first part of the conversation. Let the first conversation be about the five he got right. Just spend some time celebrating that. Spend some time saying, look, this is amazing. I know how hard you've been working on X, Y, and Z. And this is not really in your skill set. And I know that each one of these things you've been doing, you only did it because you were thinking about me. Come to mama. <laughs> if, you have a, if you have a come to mama attitude, listen, he going to do five more all by himself. I promise you. <laughs> Here's the deal. Celebrate what you want to replicate. 
and then affirm what's good. Correct what needs to be correct. Come up with a plan. End back up affirming. Right? Never allow the men in your life to feel like that there's nothing they can do. They can ever get it right. On the other hand, don't put them up on a pedestal either. Right? Kids, don't put dad up on a pedestal. Right? I know things may be going well in your relationship right now. You just got married or whatever the case is. You're dating. You're all falling in love. Don't put them on a pedestal. Here's the insight that you've got to remember. Everybody has to remember this. Listen, the best men are still broken men. And here's another insight. Broken men can still be among the best men. So you just got to understand that whoever he is, that, that, that at some point, listen, they will he will disappoint you. At some point, he will break your heart. At some point, right? He's going to let you down. So don't, don't require him to be perfect in order for him to be the object of your love. Neither God nor a murderer. All right. Let me bring this to a conclusion. What I find to be fascinating about this text, and by the way, let me just summarize real quickly. Right? In addition to whatever gifts you gave, you got for dad or you got for the man in your life, make sure you give him the gift of care. Care enough to know his story. The high notes and the low notes, see his woundedness. Secondly, make sure you give him the gift of grace. Grace. Right? Don't make him a god. And don't leave it, don't make him a murderer. Now, uh, here's what I like about the, the, the text, how it ends. Paul breaks the pattern. He neither swells up, nor does he drop dead. He breaks the pattern. Wow. Listen, what, what the text says, he shakes the snake off into the fire, and he moves forward unharmed. Now, Luke is the writer of this text, and he wants you to remember that, uh, that he wrote back in chapter 10 the words of Jesus when Jesus declared that his followers would at some point trample on, on uh, scorpions and have authority over serpents. And so what Luke wants you to recognize is that involved in this is the supernatural power of God. Come on now. Luke wants you to remember that in chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit, God's power, God's presence showed up, that, that he, 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 he reminded us that when it came, it looked like tongues of fire. And so when you think about the fire, Luke is reminding us about the very presence and the very power of God. And what Luke is saying to those of us who are guys is that at the end of the day, guys, come on now, whether she sees it or not, whether the kids gets it or not, that God can give you the power to break patterns in your life. <laughs> Paul was a pattern breaker that that not only did he break the pattern by shaking off the snake and moving forward unharmed, but you meet him for the very first time. Uh, at, the, at the beginning of chapter 8 in Acts, and, and he was approving of Stephen stoning. He, he's a murderer, guys, for real, in that context. A few verses down, uh, he, he's doing the best he can to destroy the church, and he's pulling men and women, uh, going from house to house, dragging men and women out, uh, putting them in prison. The next chapter begins with him looking for an opportunity to kill those who are followers of Jesus. He's a murderer, y'all. 
But then in chapter 9, he runs in and has an encounter with Jesus. It, it kind of goes like this. Jesus, you, you really alive? I know you died, but you, you're alive? And Jesus says, not only am I alive, but before you were in your mother's womb, I had carved out a place for you in my will. Not only am I alive, but you are an indispensable part of my love. Despite what you've done, I'm not going to allow it to disrupt the destiny that I have for your life. Not only am I alive, I'm going to empower you Come on, to get up from there and let the scales fall from your eyes and discover who you are through my eyes so that you can be an intricate part of my plan. That's Paul, the pattern breaker. And what he says to every man, if you can discover who you are through the eyes of Jesus, you can become a pattern breaker that he can release through the power of his Holy Spirit, the power that you need to break the pattern of your father, to break the pattern of your grandfather, to break the patterns of your community. Listen, it is Paul who writes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is Paul, the pattern breaker, who writes, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. It's Paul, the pattern breaker, who declares, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or even imagine. Paul challenges all men to allow the supernatural power of God's love to empower you to be a pattern can somebody say, shake it off? Amen and amen. Let me encourage you as we get ready to transition, take a step of faith. The connection cards are attached to the website and in our app. The first step is always an invitation to follow Jesus and let him empower you to be a pattern breaker. There's some other options there, of course. But under the response to the message, I want to challenge you to commit to being a pattern breaker. If you're a wife, if you're a teenager, if you're a child, say, look, I want to be a pattern breaker when it comes to the man that's in my life, when it comes to the father figure that's in my life, if you are, in terms of how you're interacting with him. If you are a man, I want to challenge you to be a pattern breaker. And if you're willing to be a pattern breaker, then listen, all you need to do is just check yes uh, on the, and the response to the message. And I will see you next week, Lord willing. God bless. It was awesome that you were with us today. I've got a couple of really quick things uh, just to remind you about. One, if you're trying to continue to educate yourself and grow as it relates to the work of racial justice here in America, check our website. We've got some excellent resources that will help you. Secondly, don't miss next Sunday. Me and Pastor John Artberg and Pastor Gary Gadini, we're going to model what it looks like to have an honest, frank conversation around race and also faith. Lastly, take a picture of the question that's here. Uh, what is one pattern in your life you need God to help you to break? We'll see you next weekend.